0: Welcome to the new little life podcast. My name is Allison. I'm a lactation consultant, a breast pump expert, and a mom of three little boys. Here on the podcast, we talk with real moms and experts about breastfeeding and pumping. This podcast is designed to help you feel supported by other moms who are doing exactly what you're doing to get tips and tricks on breastfeeding and learn how to efficiently navigate pumping while going back to work. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. We are deep into season two at this point. And I've been looking forward to recording this episode with these two for over a month. Now you've been on my calendar. So I can't, <laughs> w- I can't believe we're finally here and doing this. Um, I am a nurse. And so I'm really excited tonight to talk to two other nurses who actually went you know, back to work, did all the pumping stuff. In the hospitals, this is a whole new ballgame for anyone, anyone who's in healthcare, you already know that, but I'm really excited to introduce you. We actually have two guests today. So this is going to be a really fun conversation. Carly and Megan are postpartum nurses. They care for moms and babies as a couplet. They independently identified that all of their patients, especially the first time mamas were ill prepared for what their bodies were currently and would continue to go through after the baby was born. The bleeding, the cracked nipples, the giant pads, the night sweats, the painful belly checks, intense sleep deprivation, you know. They each have two kiddos, four and under. Megan has two girls and Carly has two boys. They would call themselves kind of cringy moms who know how to be silly, strive to gentle parent, but can't always put it into practice and always have a cup of tea or coffee on hand. It's usually always cold, which I think a lot of us can relate to. You'll find them letting their kiddos learn independence, fighting to change the postpartum world one minute, then holding two screaming kids the next. After they were in each of their second postpartum seasons, they decided enough was enough and they would join forces to take education, empowerment, and community creation into their own hands. And they created fourth trimester foundation. So Carly and Megan, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you for having us. I'm really excited to get to know you both. I have three boys, so I can relate with Carly, but Megan girls, oh, girl. is like a whole so, new world for me.
1: I don't need to know. I can't even begin to understand. So, <laughs> so much yuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So you guys had babies at a very
0: similar time, right? Were you yeah. already friends before you started having babies together?
1: Well, Carly had one. Yeah,
2: I have a almost five-year-old. So I had one little one and then Megan and I met each other working in the hospital. We were both, you know, trying to conceive, thinking about it, kind of talked about that we were working night shift together at like the 3 a.m. slump, just, you know. Talking about which ovulation
1: sticks we were right. Covering. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Or like, you know,
2: sharing, <laughs> yeah. you know, the different books we have on our Kindles and stuff. Um, and then we found out we were pregnant. I don't know exactly when, but we had our babies six days apart. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, then that was before BC that was before COVID all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the world was a much different place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and we parented together. Throughout COVID, um, we had our kids were like two months, two and a half months old.
1: Yeah, December 2019, they were both born. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. yep. And then I had another one um, April 2021. So just she's that one there. <laughs> yeah. She's just over a year. Yeah. Wow. I can relate. I
0: had my third baby um, during COVID. I was pregnant when COVID hit uh, and then had yeah. him in August, you know, so
1: super scary right in the beginning there.
0: It was weird. Yeah. And we were in Europe too. So it was a little bit different even for that. Yeah. Um, yeah it was yeah. A mess. So, and these COVID babies, like trying to get them to interact with each other at this point now when they're back to real life has been hard.
1: <laughs> it's impossible. They're so out of place. Mommy. Yeah. But at least they're all out of place together now. So when you get them in a group, they just all collectively stare at each other.
2: <laughs> Very We true. don't know
1: what, we didn't know there was other
0: people in the world right. until just right. in the last couple of months. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So (laughs) let's just dive into this. Um, were you guys, what floor of the
2: hospital were you guys working on? Postpartum. So we, that's where we met. We met, um, as postpartum mother baby nurses. um, Okay. So that's the, that's the spot where you go after
0: you have a baby to recover for a couple of days till you go home. Correct. Right. Awesome. So So if you have
2: the baby, in the labor room. And then usually like a couple of hours, um, and then you move to your postpartum room. Some hospitals, you kind of stay in the same room throughout. Um, but in our hospital, it's, you move to another room, more comfortable bed, a little more spacious. So did you guys
0: have your babies in the hospital that you worked?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Was that weird? I thought it was kind of great. I sent my husband home both times because I had all my friends to kind of take care of me and hang out with me. Uh, when my second was born, Carly was working uh, and she she brought me a sub for dinner and then she held my baby for hours while I slept. And I have a picture of her sitting at the nurse's station charting with Carly. <laughs> awesome. So I preferred that to my husband being like, which side of the diaper goes underneath? Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to have friends who like
0: know what they're doing and you can just say, take my baby, I'm gonna go sleep. Yep, exactly. Totally. It's
1: great.
2: Yeah, I thought I it was all right. I um had a C-section with my second. So I wasn't really excited about being there for three. I ended up staying for three nights, so four days. Um, I wanted to get out of there earlier, but just the stars weren't aligning in my body at the time um for me to leave um as early as I wanted to. So I was kind of like just didn't want to be there for that long. People would just come in and say hi all the time. Like there's already a ton of people coming into your room after you have your baby, right? And then your friends are like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I, I don't want we're to die. We're not even really friends. Yeah, there's but like you're of you. here. You didn't have to come say hi. So what I would do is I would go at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. at shift change. I would go walk around the floor, say hello to everyone, and then go hide in my room.
0: Oh, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So I would really love to know from you before we kind of jump into all the pumping stuff, like what was, how was breastfeeding for you different between your two? You had a vaginal delivery with your first and a C-section with your second. What was the first little while's
2: like with those two different experiences? Yeah. Um, with, after, with my first, it was my first time, you know, breastfeeding and thing. So it's a whole new experience, no matter how you have your birth, your baby, um, but it wasn't like the maneuvering and moving around with baby wasn't tough really in that way. I was able to move around relatively easily. Um, but I just still don't know what I was doing. So I was stressing about every little thing I had a postpartum doula a labor and then also postpartum doula. Um, so she came to help me um, with breastfeeding, which was amazing. Um, but with my C-section, I was really confident. I was doing some um, hand expression at starting at like 36 weeks. So I had him at almost like mid 38 weeks. So I had like two and a half weeks of hand expression under my belt and my freezer. I just left it at home. I didn't feel like I needed to bring it, but it could have come with me if I wanted it to. Um, and he latched right away and I was so excited because that didn't happen the first time, but, um, about like two months in maybe, you know, maybe like six weeks in, I started to notice he was miserable during feeding. We were both crying at the end or like after five minutes after the first letdown. And, um, that was tough. So whether I had, however, I had that second baby that still would have happened. He had some stuff going on in his mouth that, um, wasn't really making latching that easy for him. So it wasn't really the cease. It wasn't really the birth, methods of how that really affected my breastfeeding. Um I think it was just the circumstances surrounding it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And Megan, what yeah. was it kind of like for you getting started? Um you obviously had friends that had done this before. You know, Carly had already done this and yeah, how, what went your breastfeeding experience like in the first little while?
1: Yeah. So the with the first, um I did not get a golden hour because she was taken to the nursery for some questionable breathing patterns and stuff. So I Spent, I had a difficult repair with her, so I spent that like hour of uh, recovery getting repaired slowly while my husband was in the nursery with her. So, um, she came back to me with a low blood sugar, and I was able to latch her at that point, but it was almost an hour, if not a little bit more later. So, I was a little heartbroken about that because I already worked in postpartum without kids. Um, and so I watched all of these moms have a hard time. And I thought because I could help them and, you know, I was the one to kind of get them where they needed to be in that first day that I could troubleshoot myself also. Um, but it was, I mean, it was hard. It was hard. Just like, it was, it was fumbly. Like I've never been on that side of the bed before. So like the way I hold my hands to help a mom is different than I hold my hands to actually nurse my own baby. So I just like everybody else, you're just like a little awkward with it for a while. Um, Engorgement hit me like a freight train, uh, like three days later. And I was panicking calling the lactation consultants um, that we work with, like in the middle of the (laughs) night, I was calling them. Um, And I'll never forget the one. um, Her name is Dana. And I love her so much that she told me uh, the very first thing that I should do with my engorged boobs was go in the mirror, take my shirt off and take a picture. Cause they'll never <laughs> look like that again. <laughs> and she made me laugh through my tears Aww. and it just like totally diffused the situation Aww. for me through it. Aww. And then the, the two days after she was born was Christmas day. Um, and so she was able to meet me at the hospital nobody else was there because it was Christmas. And she helped me latch the baby through the engorgement and, we got there eventually and I am almost three years, two and a half years later, plus still breastfeeding her. So that, you know, that's a success story, I guess. And then the second one um, came home and started tandem feeding with the big one. Um, The biggest difficulty with her, she latched right away. I got my golden hour redemption with her. Um, But she, I had a full supply still. And so she had a really hard time. Uh, she came out real fast. She was spitty to begin with. And then I gave her like a full letdown with every feed. And she was like choking. <laughs> she Poor Carly was burping, burping so much milk out of her all night long while I was sleeping. Uh, but once we, once she got a little bigger and her belly got a little bigger, we figured it out. And you know, the big one actually really helped because she could take some of that volume away from her. Um, and it, we're still doing it. We're still tandem feeding. Yeah. How old is your, so your little one was born twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. 2021. Yeah. So she's 14 months and then the big one just turned two and a half in June. Oh, very cool. Oh, they're close together. They are. Yeah. They're 16 months apart.
0: Oh yeah. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. So let's dive into the pumping part. I would love to know from each of you when you started pumping in your journey and then kind of what that back to work transition looked like right at the beginning, if you remember.
2: Yeah, I can it. start. Yeah. I was the first to figure out the pump. <laughs> yeah. um, so I didn't pump at all until my baby was like maybe eight weeks old I was really trying to you know reduce everything you kind of heard about like nipple confusion bottle refusal, like all of those things I was trying to go as by the book then that part of that was like postpartum anxiety underlying that I didn't really realize like just being so crazy about everything sorry that's not the right word but you know what I mean no we know um, we know yes yes yeah. so I didn't pump until like I felt like was the right thing on my based on my research. So around eight weeks I started pumping. I was using like the Haka in between. So I guess I kind of was a little bit. I was just like passively collecting milk. Um but I started actually pumping. Um but my baby wouldn't take a bottle at all. And I know that's not uncommon. Um but I had a really tough time with that because I, you know, I didn't need to go back to work until about four months. So we start we still had two months really to kind of troubleshoot it, but it wasn't happening. I tried everything, everything to try to get him to take a bottle. So many things. What I finally did, you know, tried all the bottles, all the tools, leave, stay, all of that. What I finally did was I put a bottle nipple like in my bra, just like the silicone part of it, not the ring in my bra. And I was like, maybe, you know, this is what I'll do. I'll like fill the the nipple up with milk and then I'll use it like a nipple shield and like that's totally gonna work and I just that was what I was gonna do in my head and then I forgot about it because like breastfeeding you don't know what else is really going on in your bra really um yeah. and then I was like oh my gosh here I found a bottle nipple okay so I put it on the bottle and he did it so I don't know if that was like my that's my like smell. bottle trick I know he's like a small guy I guess but so my I still was pumping though because I was still trying and like you know wasting all this milk using it for other things, but not for feeding. Um, And yes, then I went back to work at four months, around four months postpartum, and I was working night shift. So that was a tough one to kind of navigate. I was working night shift both both times returning to work. So it's tough to tell your body because you have the most milk, you know, in the early hours of the morning. But if your baby is sleeping through the night, your body's then still making all this milk on the nights that you work because you're awake and you're pumping and you want to sleep during the day. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. So that was a little tough for me to kind of navigate in the, before we started solids and when there was like all of that milk. Um, But I did okay. The first time returning to work breastfeeding wise, emotionally, it was horrible. I was, I didn't go back to work, working in postpartum. Like when Megan and I went back to work, I was working in like a cardiac ICU. It was not my, Not my jam. Um, so trying to pump was really hard. Um, in between, you know, your patients on ventilators and all that kind of thing. Um everyone's trying to die. Yeah, so rude. I'm (laughs) trying to pump. Okay. Uh, That's a rough floor Uh, to
0: be on. Yeah, it's intense. Mm -hmm. No.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, you always feel like someone you owe someone if they watch your patients on while you pump, which that's like different in an office setting than it is in the hospital because it's like, they don't think of it as a break. It's just like, oh, you're just going away and doing something extra. Like you're not, then if it's your break, it's more justified. If that makes sense. Like if you're going to eat your lunch, like, oh yeah, I got you going to pump. You're like, okay, sure. Let me know. And then you feel like you owe them. So I would always chart and eat during my pumping breaks, which is terrible, but that's what I was doing. So I could get out of there on time. So I could get home to my baby in the morning so I could see him before he went to daycare. So It was stinky (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it was fine. It wasn't, I did it. You know, I, I was still, I was nursing um, him this time. So I was pumping at work and then nursing, um, whenever I was home with him, sometimes I still had to pump because he was at school during the day so I could sleep. Um but my second baby I um exclusively pumped him for him. So that was tough to do when they're on the move and trying to exclusively pump but zero stars would not recommend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not recommend. Yes. And, and Megan, were you also working night shifts when you went back to work? Um, No, I was night shift when we got pregnant. And then shortly after my first trimester ended, I stopped puking and stopped working (laughs) night shift all at the same time. Um, And then I came back um, part-time on day shift. So I only worked, nurses generally work three 12-hour shifts to be full time. I worked two 12-hour shifts a week when I went back, which was April, 2020, um, which was Yeah, I felt like it was, I mean, it was the height of like brand new intense COVID, but also I had just missed the boat on all of the new like education and protocols because they had been in place for like three weeks already or four weeks already. So I was coming in completely in the dark, completely having to like relearn my whole job and also figure out uh, when I'm going to (laughs) pump So it was scary. I went, the best thing I did was set up a um, virtual visit with a lactation consultant a couple weeks before I went back and we talked about my supply, which was a little bit of an oversupply with her um, and like a good pumping schedule. And so I went back kind of knowing this ideal plan in my head of how I was going to try to structure my day. And I will say that the one nice thing about coming back to working on a maternity unit is everybody is just by nature of the job is very supportive of you feeding your baby. And there's a designated room for like, you know, moms who come and visit their babies that don't get discharged and stuff. So we have like this great lactation room and there was space that we have a breast milk fridge in the nursery. So like, it was perfect in that sense. Um, and I didn't really have too much trouble because I was fiercely protective of those um, breaks I, I really, really tried to set myself up. Like I would round on all my patients five minutes before I would go. I would be like, I had all my bags set up prior. So I would be super efficient with all my connections and I would pump exactly 15 minutes and I would shut it off and I would toss everything in the fridge and fridge hack it all and get back out on the floor and three hours and one minute later, I'd be back doing it again. I really, really, really tried to protect those. But, you know, it's the nature. It's a great thing about postpartum. Nobody is, nothing's truly hardly ever an emergency. So you really can kind of just, hey, has everybody got their ice packs? Has everybody got their Advil? Everybody's going to take a nap? Cool, I'm going to go pump. (laughs) You can much even tell you. your patients. Exactly. Well, honestly, I've told I my did. patients
2: too, like, oh, I'm actually breastfeeding too. Look at right. us. I'm going to yep. go pump. I'll be back in about yeah. 20 or so. Yeah.
1: I did that all the time. I would pull out my spectra pump for moms who told me that they yeah. have a spectra at home and didn't know how to use it. I'd bring it into the room and show them all the buttons. Hook <laughs> yourself up, like pump right. Now. <laughs> right. Right.
2: <laughs> Yeah. So I, I would mean, pump with other nurses nurse, all the time too. It was fun. They would like pump together and
1: because we're all breastfeeding, because we all go in groups when yeah. we're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think that's yeah. really cool actually to see like you
0: kind of think of healthcare workers, especially when you're in a vulnerable situation, like having a baby and you're brand new, as kind of like authorities figures. And so I love it when you can just like casually throw in like, oh, yeah, I'm breastfeeding too. I'm going to take care of you and them and go pump my milk. Yeah. Really normalizes that part of being a human mother as just like, we do this. We all do this. You can do this right, right now. so true.
1: Love it. Yep. True. All right. Cool.
0: Carly, we got to dive into this night shift schedule a little bit because <laughs> this sounds overwhelming <laughs> to me even. So, okay. You're up during the night for three nights a week,
1: three but you're a week, not
0: yeah. during four nights a week. Also your baby goes to daycare slash school during the day so you can sleep. Like, what did your pumping schedule, feeding schedule look like? Walk me through that. I
2: yeah, I was a I always pump in the car. I felt comfortable doing it. I had the like the proper equipment that I felt safe to do that. So I would always pump in the car, um even what, if I had just pumped at home.
0: What equipment are you talking about here? Like break me break I, it down for me.
2: So I had a good question. I had um the S the blue one, S1. S1. S1, S1, S1. S1. Yeah. The S1. So I had the battery pack. I had long enough, like the tubing was plenty. So I wasn't have to fiddle with it. I would set it up before I even turned the car on. Um, and if I did have to readjust or anything, I was not trying to do anything unsafe. Um, a lot of times I would like pull over at a gas station, like five minutes into the drive. It was like a half an hour. So even if I lost a little bit of time on the way, um, I didn't mind. Um, yeah. And I would just, I had just the, the normal spectra flanges with um, I would always have uh, a Kendra Brigley bra or um, one of the, the clip on, I forget what it is. It's like clips under a regular nursing bra, but it's just like the front attachment. I forget exactly what that That's one on is. Amazon. Yeah. I forget what they're called, but that worked well for me too. I always made sure I had like a, a pumping bra that I really liked and, trusted. Um and then I would get to work. Um I mean I'm like always late. So I would always like be like running around. Um and there's still this is actually embarrassing. There's still like breast milk on like my dashboard and other parts oh, like, <laughs> yeah. you know it's great. It's still there. Um, it's hard to get that stuff off, right? Yeah, like yes. I know. I, so, I
0: can totally relate. There's no judgment yeah. for me on this. Yeah. No, yeah.
2: I know. I know. So, and then I would run in, um, sometimes if I was running late, I would literally just hold the flanges, like with like, you know, my two fingers and like run in and then I would clean it when I got there and I like was settled. Um, but yeah, so always pumped in the car, even if I had just fed baby or just pumped. So I would like reset my clock. I would go see everyone and maybe around like 10 o'clock, get a pump session in. And then depending on, I don't know, I would maybe pump two more times after that or one more time, but the... 3am pump was always the one I would always fall asleep during I mean it's hard it's like hard not to fall asleep while you're pumping at three in the morning even if you are like on the clock um so most times I'd fall asleep and like sometimes it would get disconnected so I'm like oh my gosh I have to do this again (laughs) so I have to start over my pump session but it was tough In the, like I was mentioning when I would have more, like when my milk supply was more when, um, before I started solids, I would need to pump, um, I would need to wake up in the middle of the day while I was sleeping just to pump, like out of uncomfortability. Um, so I would always do that. I would not get a solid night of, or day of sleep. I would always wake up at like two o'clock and then pump and then get up for the day at around five again, um, PM to then make dinner for my family and then leave them to go to work.
0: <laughs> such so a, such, night shift is such an interesting schedule. So you kind of just treated your night shift, like your day. So pumping yeah. every like three hours, like you yeah. would, and then your sleep time once in the middle, but that yeah. was really your night sleep
2: just during I the I know. Day, right? I know. And okay. when I would work like a stretch, it was tougher. I would be like fuller during the day so it was more uncomfortable if I had work, just worked three night shifts and then I was sleeping the next day. Um, it was tougher. So, but yeah, when I was, was going to ask you about pumping, switching
0: back and forth, like yeah, three, but on, when I was
2: exclusively pumping, off. it was so much easier. Cause I really? couldn't say when I pumped. So like, that was the only part of exclusively pumping that was easier in that way. So I just said, this is what I'm going to pump. And doesn't matter when maybe I actually ate. And this is what I'm pumping. Um, but as far as switching back and forth, I don't really know. It just kind of, it just kind of happens. Like I'm, I'm a schedule person, but babies aren't schedule people. Right. So I don't know. I didn't really, um, it just kind of figured it out as the everyday was in front of me.
1: <laughs> I think it's something kind of accepted as your
2: reality. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tricky
0: showing those schedules, but I think you're right. I think we can, write it down on paper as like, here's the ideal plan. You know, you're three days on, you do this, you're four days off, you do this. But I think a more realistic view of a lifestyle like that is really just kind of taking it. Yeah. Having a general plan is great. And then kind of just going with the flow. Is that kind of what you felt like you ended up doing? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then there were actually a couple of days that after work, I wouldn't have childcare. So those were called my zombie days, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't my name, my friend, Beth and IBCLC be also um, coined that term, but staying awake with your baby. So those days with my first, I would just kind of like lay in bed with them and kind of like nurse and just hang out. So that was easier in that way on those zombie days. but yeah, I don't, I'm not nights anymore. and I was I always told myself I'm gonna switch to days when I am um, done having babies so I can you know when you're early in the baby stage, you're kind of on night shift anyway, just as a new mom. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. So it, the transition to night shift back from, you know, being on maternity leave wasn't tough, wasn't too tough because I was kind of there, but I couldn't hang anymore. I had to make the jump and now I'm a day shifter,
0: which is you. better. <laughs> what made you decide to exclusively pump uh, with your second one?
2: Uh, I, I don't know, There is a lot of things and it's still something that's kind of, I, I'm willing to share it because I'm saying I, I want to, but it, it's still like kind of tough for me to really separate out what is what. And I don't know if I really have to separate it out, but, mm-hmm. um, around like six weeks i remember it was like the super. like we were watching the super bowl my husband was working um, we were watching the super bowl with my mom and he just he would latch for five minutes for like a letdown essentially and then he would scream i'm like what that's weird and he wouldn't relax wouldn't relax i was feeding him like every hour all the time um and he was always like really tight and just like really tight all the time he was breached so that's not surprising um but he had a lot of oral restrictions so uh lip tie tongue tie and like cheek ties as well wow. um so this was right before COVID I mean COVID was here we just didn't really know it um we ended up getting those ties released um after you know talking with an IBCLC and his pediatrician and the um, person doing the procedure but he didn't latch after and I kept holding out hope um and I worked with a lactation consultant to really get things on board. And then COVID kind of started and I was like, I can't, I can't do all of these things. Like I can't stay home with my toddler and navigate trying to refeed this eight week old baby um, who is really used to bottles. And my toddler is in my face and I just don't have any, I just can't. So I still tried to keep nursing him like every once in a while and, I always told myself like when I'm going to remember the last time I feed him is, and I don't, cause I kept trying to think about that moment and I couldn't get, I couldn't remember the, that last time. Cause I'm a person that likes to know when the last time something is, I think yeah. maybe similar are you. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to know uh, when it was going to be, but I didn't. Um, so it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to nurse my first baby for as long as I did. And I, exclusively pumped for my second as long as I did with my first because you know siblings mom mom guilt (laughs) guilt. yeah that's what it is (laughs) um so yeah Yeah. but I'm I mean I learned so much and I was able to have that flexibility I got a baby buddha I had all of the gadgets I would pump no anywhere I was I pumped at my sister's wedding during her like reception like with everyone because I didn't want to miss it like I just wasn't I didn't have any shame in my she pumping was, game she, she was amazing yeah seriously I was, she was. She like
1: she never said a thing about it it was just like this <laughs> casual yeah no you didn't oh. you would just like casually just like stick the flanges in and turn on the pump and i can still hear the baby buddha like specific like brr, noise brr, brr, because yep. I, and, yeah, i could just <laughs> like she pumped we had all the babies in my mom's pool one day and she's just standing there mm. in the shallow end with her pump on <laughs> yeah. and, so unapologetic about it. And it was, it was very, it was very brave. And I, yeah, yeah,
2: it was cool. No one would apologize for like latching your baby as much as you would. So why not just doing it the long way. It was great.
0: I think pumping is kind of this new, this new thing. So we've been working really hard the last 10 years or, you know, 15, 20 years to get into normalized breastfeeding, right. Breastfeed anywhere, breastfeed in public. Like, and I feel like we're at a good place. A lot of comments moms are getting are positive ones and not, not nearly as many negative ones, but I feel like we're just barely bridging this with pumping, like trying to normalize pumping some moms either choose to, or have to, I mean, it feels like you were kind of forced into that
2: life. Um, Yeah,
0: and I feel like a lot of working moms kind of are not not many working moms that I talked to are Like I want to breastfeed, but I'm also really excited to pump. You know, most of them are like, when do I start pumping? Because I have to, because I'm going back to work and I want to keep breastfeeding. So yeah. yeah, I think a lot of working moms, I mean, yours was a little more, even more, you ended up exclusively pumping, but I think a lot of working moms feel this way. I, I want to breastfeed. It's important to me. And I kind of have to pump out of necessity.
2: Yeah.
1: I think I'm seeing a lot more, um, like Instagram accounts too, from like people with some big followings who are choosing to exclusively pump out of the gate, which I think is also really cool that I think a lot of people didn't really know that was an option. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, it's really great to just see, you know, it, that's like a whole different, I, I honestly don't really know how I would navigate if I decided to exclusively pump from birth, like how did those first couple of days go with colostrum? I'm not really yeah. sure, but that's like, that's a totally other, you know, avenue you could go down that deserves some attention.
0: Yeah. And just kind yeah. of reducing the shame around it, pump anywhere, you know? So mm-hmm. tell me, uh, Carly, you mentioned you had the baby Buddha. What other pumps did you use? And then I'll ask Megan the same question.
2: I had, I only ended I had the baby Buddha. I loved it. Some people can hang with that suction, but I, the first time I put it on, I thought my nipple was like coming off and I was like, Oh my God, but it was fine. Um, and then I had, I just did that. And then an S one and an S two. So my S one, the blue, right. Yeah. Yeah was from my first baby. So I, then I got an S two to like, you know, have a fresh pump, but um, I just used mostly the spectra and baby Buddha.
1: Very cool. And Megan. I was just- Totally loyal Spectra S1 girl. Um, I got that one with insurance with my first. And then with my second, knowing like, okay, I'm going to have two under two. This is going to be a little bit busy um, with insurance. It didn't. It covered about half of it. I got an LV um, and I literally never opened it. <laughs> really? Why? Well, I got lucky um, with the second one. I stayed home for almost 10 months with her. Oh, wow. that's awesome. The, yeah. I mean, it was great. The logistics of, you know, I was going to go back to my old job. They wanted me back sooner than I had planned. It's a whole insurance debacle. So I just decided to resign instead. Um, I was blessed enough to be in a comfortable place that I could do that. And then I kind of took a, a postpartum home visit job. So I was driving around doing visits, but it was very per diem. You know, some weeks I would do three or four, some weeks I would do none. So, um, and it was only, I was only gone like an hour at a time. So sometimes I could get out and back before even skipping a feed. So I didn't find myself and she was a great latcher. So, and because I was tandem feeding them, I didn't have to entertain the toddler and chase her around. They would just both sit there and nurse. So I just never found myself really in need of being able to multitask that much. Mm -hmm. And my Spectra worked fine in the car. And I had my great, you know, Sarah Wells bag and my wet dry bag. And I would just, I just use that. I never really saw a need. I had heard things. I know a lot more now, but I had heard a lot of things um, right when I started going back to work about those wearable pumps kind of leaving milk behind and messing with your supply. And I didn't really want to do that didn't really want to mess with it. I didn't. And I had heard so many things like, oh, you have to do all these hacks. You have to get like inserts for them, or you have to buy different flange sizes. And as a whole thing. So I was like, I don't really have the energy to navigate that. So I just left it in the box and eventually sold it. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, It's one of those things. I There's so many breast pumps on the market that, and you, yeah. and you get these like new fancy ones that solve everyone's problems. And then everybody gets them and you realize like, actually just like the standard stuff
1: sometimes works just fine and
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: the it, standard flanges too like I never even got I thought about getting those pumping pals ones the yeah. nice yeah. silk ones but I just never the the regular ones worked fine I changed out the duct bills every now and then and it was just I don't know I never saw a supply depth so I didn't I didn't fix what wasn't broken yeah
0: did you notice I that you had that oversupply kind of continue on you mentioned you had that with your first a little bit yeah when you went back to work, did you notice that continued throughout your pumping?
1: Yes. And, uh, I I mean, I always kind of produce my, my youngest one was a one side at a time feeder, which is kind of the only way that I assumed that I was still an oversupplier that she was satisfied after probably what was four or five ounces on that side. That's typically what I would see in the pump when I did, but because she was nine months old before I really left her, I didn't really have any confirmation of the oversupply. Sure. So I just, yeah, I don't know. We were just cool with, I was just very, I was much more confident at that point to just like, Oh, I don't know. You'll just, you'll take what you want. And this one will take what she wants. And I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sherry. Yeah. Tandem feeding is a whole
0: like new ball game. <laughs> it's just, But I think it's oh, sec- yeah. I think second time often feel more confident and like, they know what they're doing.
2: Yeah. yeah. And more, they can be more laid back about it. Like not right. as like, I would have like what side I fed on and I would like do all the apps and I would, yep. you know, make sure I'm like, Oh my gosh, okay. 15 minutes and 30 seconds on this side. So like I have to do at least 15 minutes and 31 seconds on the other <laughs> side. Like, no. like, no, no, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah.
1: I think the biggest hurdle for me was I wasn't sure if I was going to tandem feed. Um, Through my second pregnancy, I figured at some point like, oh, I'm just going to dry up and she's going to, she's going to stop. I don't know. And then that didn't happen. And then, you know, people told me uh, the taste is going to change and she's not going to like it anymore. And then she's going to stop or it's going to be too painful and you're going to have to wean. And yeah, I mean, it was painful, but it was kind of the same kind of pain as that like initial newborn latch where it pinches right at the beginning and then it kind of dissipates. And it was tolerable for me so we just kind of kept going and i was like getting really close to delivery and just realized okay we're still here i better figure out how i'm gonna do this because i don't think at this point she's gonna wean i'm 38 weeks we're down to the wire here so i asked that same lactation consultant who told me to take a picture of my boobs she tandem fed <laughs> her babies like 15 years prior Wow. Um, I said, she sent me a picture, like circa 90s photo of her feeding <laughs> nice. her babies. And I was thrilled to see that picture. It's amazing. Aww. But so she, I asked her, I was like, how do you tandem feed these babies? And she goes, you just do it. And everybody else on the internet told me, and the pediatrician told me, you have to prioritize the newborn. You have to prioritize the baby. And then the toddler gets to go. That was never my reality because they're asking a 16 month old, baby she was not a, she's a baby to stand in front of me and wait while the milk is pouring <laughs> out of me and now she's been deprived of flow for like nine months finally I have this huge letdown again and she's like give me some of that so <laughs> yep there was never, there was never any waiting it was just exactly like Dana told me you just freaking do it <laughs> yep isn't that motherhood you just freaking do it you know, right yeah, Let's exactly. make a shirt. Yep. There's no. So, did you just...
0: pump while you were pregnant
1: back to work? I did. Yep. What was and that, that like? Was purely, that was purely guilt. So, I got pregnant when my first was seven months old. And I, that was one thing. I always knew I wanted to have my babies close and I always knew I wanted to break, But I didn't know enough about milk supply then to know that pregnancy hormones were going to suppress my milk production. And I didn't realize that I was going to essentially dry out. I would pump like half an ounce to an ounce, whereas previously filling the five ounce bottles. So, and that happened around 12 weeks and never came back. People told me that it might come back, but it never did. So When that happened, I continued to pump at work because I felt so guilty that I was going to squash my year of breastfeeding goal. It's something I'd never thought about. And I, I just, I had such overwhelming guilt about it that I just kept pumping to try and give her whatever I could. Um, Carly Mm -hmm. and another one of our IBCLC friends donated milk to me because I was just not meeting her demand. And that was like, the most incredible. I never thought I would receive donor milk. I'm the one sitting here who had <laughs> oversupply for seven months and now I'm receiving donor milk. Uh, but it was a huge blessing and we got to a year and obviously beyond. So, yeah, it was painful. It was more painful than launching. I had to reduce my settings down a lot, especially on that stimulation mode. Um, but I made it work. I don't know. Wow, that's amazing. It can be really
0: just. Um, dis- Emotionally, mentally discouraging to pump mm-hmm. half an ounce um, in yeah. a 15 minute session, and continue to do you do that for five months. That's
1: I did. Um. I had to cover the bottles. I put like a one yeah. of the it's over the bottles, so I wouldn't look at them, and I would just FaceTime the baby.
0: How did you her. do that? How did you keep going to that year mark, pumping like basically nothing on a schedule every three hours as a nurse? Like there are so many things stacked against you in that scenario. Yeah, I
1: just, well, I just kept the same narrative in my head of fiercely protecting those breaks. And I kind of just treated it more as like, this is a break when I get to FaceTime and talk to dad and the baby and just say hi. And I just so happen to be pumping while I'm doing it. I get to sit and have a snack and not take care of anybody right now. And I get to say hi and I'll get what I get. And I went from taking home, I always stored my milk in mason jars. And I went from taking home like three mason jars over a 12-hour shift to one being half full. And I would bring it home to my husband and he would look at it and be like, you did good today. Aww. And you know, he knew how broken I was about it. And he used to like see me give him all these bottles and stick them in the fridge. And he would say like, nice haul. <laughs> and, and then I would come home with less and he would still tell me I did a good job and not tell me how much she took that day, because then I would do the calculation of, okay, so this was the deficit that I missed. And this is how much donor milk we're gonna have to thaw. And yeah, he would just, he just handled, that was the greatest thing. He I never fed bottles. I never warmed milk. I never looked at the milk stash in the fridge. He handled all things, pumped frozen bottle fed milk. I did not touch it.
0: That's probably,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's probably a good thing. I, I can imagine just mentally, I would probably do what you did, just like do what I could and then try and not think about it and have someone else. I really like that, that play that you did there. I think Mm -hmm. that would help me too.
1: Yeah. We did also introduce whole milk to her around 11 months just to kind of round it out um, with the of her pediatrician, because we were going to start giving her whole milk anyway and just mixing the bottles kind of half and half or a third Mm -hmm. and two thirds helps a lot yeah so
0: Carly, what was it like um donating milk like specifically to a friend? I think that would be really fun, but uh, did you yeah. already have the extra milk, or did you kind of have to pump and work for that?
2: No, I actually had it, so my kiddos had my younger one out of peanut allergies that I didn't realize until like seven months um and it was pretty severe, so I was i love peanut butter, so I was eating that who knows when I didn't put on the milk bags like had a peanut butter cup today the um, classic nurse snack yeah like butter. a like a little oh, yeah. cup of peanut butter like mm-hmm. in a spoon all the time so i had no idea so while he was before he turned you know like when he was i don't know like eight months and before i just didn't feel comfortable giving him any of that peanut milk um so i gave him back in yeah. yeah and the peanut milk yeah <laughs> sounds yummier yeah. that way right, right? yeah <laughs> but then so this is like a ter- twist of events um we were moving and my deep freezer got unplugged and I lost I don't know it's it's it, like like me oh. I felt more like someone Sometimes. I loved died and I I've never lost someone that close to me like in such a way manner that would have warranted something like that um So yeah, so I had to keep going because I just, that was where my head told me I had to be. So that was tough, but it wouldn't have, your peanut milk wouldn't have made any difference because I didn't, that wasn't an option for me to feed him. But yeah, that was, that was really tough to manage, but it was a fun, it was, it was cool to, I don't know, like I love your daughter so much and it was just (laughs) cool to be able to like provide that gift for them that was like the little extension of you. Oh, I don't know. I don't think we're
1: like, supposed to cry on this podcast.
2: Oh no, <laughs> it wouldn't be I'm, the first like, one. Like little
1: bit, we're kind of weaning right now, so my emotions are <laughs> everywhere. Oh man, um,
2: yeah, but I would do it very I more know. than that.
1: It's donor milk is a
0: is It's, crazy. it's yeah, it's like all wrapped yeah. up in all these things. You have this person providing especially as a mom who is breastfeeding and pumping and maybe just not quite making enough, you know, how much work every single drop of milk takes. So then to, first of all, to give your milk to someone else, knowing how hard you worked for it, but then also receiving that from someone else who, you know, spent like time and brain space Mm -hmm. pumping that, I think both ways, it just kind of turns into a really bonding experience. And that was,
1: that was prior to us becoming, business partners or anything oh, yeah. so it was like I don't know it was like this interesting foreshadow of the relationship we were going to have the next year so it was cool.
0: yeah. yeah so tell me kind of how that blossomed like how did you guys decide like there's a problem here in the fourth trimester fifth trimester world and we're gonna fix it how did that start
1: Carly texted me one day and was like hey do you want to teach these classes and I was like
2: "Yup, yup." yep <laughs> So shower, like the shower thoughts for us, we independently have very clear shower thoughts because yes. there's no extraneous noises typically. Like, like once a week, don't get yeah. us wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so fourth trimester foundations was a shower thought. And I don't know, I really don't know where exactly it came from, but um, I texted Megan right before I had a night shift. Like I worked the night before, showered, went back to work and um, yeah, we did it. You were About Mm -hmm. to have your second. Yeah, I was in my third trimester, and Mm -hmm. we were just kind of talking with no business experience. And I guess, I guess, technically, we have a year of business experience, but it really doesn't feel like it. I don't feel like not at all. But we (laughs) technically do because we're a business and we've been in business for almost a year. So I guess we have a year. Um, But we have been throwing. So much spaghetti at so many walls. This is like a very good analogy. So much spaghetti we have wasted and thrown and like a lot. Some of it has stuck to walls and we love the pieces that have stuck to the walls. But we also love what fell to the ground and we learned from. Um, There's a lot on the cutting room floor yet. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But we, I don't know, we just felt like people deserved more than this veiled time that is spoken of negatively, if it is spoken of at all. Um, we had two other, um, really close friends that we're still very close with that. We all had babies around the same time. So we had this text thread going in all hours and we trusted one another and, um, we just felt like we had that community and support. And I know a lot of moms don't feel that way. So we provide the education and then we also provide the community afterwards. um, led and moderated by us, but we don't do a lot of timing, and we try to just encourage people to post their questions. And instead of Googling some on some crazy threads or, (laughs) um, just posting in a not supportive Facebook group, um, asking what they should do we have them come to our Facebook, um, after they have taken the class and they can, we have a ton of professionals in there too, mm-hmm. who can chime in and, you know, say you're doing a great job or reach out to me. We can talk about this privately. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things.
0: Wow. That's really cool. So, um, Megan, maybe you can share with us kind of what you guys do. You teach a class and then you have a community. Is there like, what is it about? Who is this for? Like fill me yeah. in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So right now we're in the a in little bit of a kind of reconfiguring phase, but we designed a two hour um, postpartum prep workshop that covers like the moment your baby comes out and then about 72 hours later. So theoretically, if you're giving birth in a hospital, about the length of your hospital stay, what's going to happen to your body. And it, we try as much as possible because obviously you and your baby are, a, you're a couplet, you're one unit, but we try as much as possible to be mom or birthing person centric in this class and talk about um, what happens when you deliver your placenta and what your first trip to the bathroom is gonna look like and how do you manage your first poop and you know how to move around comfortably after you have a C-section and take care of your incision and all these things that your typical like hospital birth class or even like your Lamaze or your hypnobirthing class is not really going to cover. Everybody seemed to be prepared for caring for their newborn, or maybe they took a breastfeeding class or, you know, whatever method they were going to use for labor, but it kind of just stopped at congratulations, your baby is born and maybe delayed cord clamping. And that was it. Um, So we, we talk about all those things. Uh, We talk about blood loss. We talk about hemorrhoids and how to manage all these things. And, and, up until this summer, it has been a live course that we hosted a couple of times a month, either on Zoom or sometimes in person. But we are currently in the middle of shifting to an evergreen self-paced course that people can purchase and download at any time. So that's going to be available this fall around our one-year anniversary. Very cool.
0: I, I love that. I think you're right. A lot of the classes I've seen and taken and taught are really focused on, you know, like pregnancy and then labor. There's a heavy, you know, sex labor, birth, like how do you get this baby out of you? And right. then okay, now how do you take care of this baby, you know, breastfeeding right. and newborn care and stuff like that. And I think a p- a piece that is often missed is like you you've just become a mother yourself and your body is is super different than it was <laughs> before you had a baby and right. will probably always be a little different. And how do you take that time to also care for yourself? For yourself because yes, you have to care for the baby. This is on you, right? And a partner, hopefully. Um, but you can't do that if you're not functioning as a human. Right. Yeah.
1: And I think um, I, there's probably not a huge chunk of people who plan for their C-section and maybe they did learn what was going to happen, how to take care of themselves. And they bought the sits bath and the spray and everything for their vaginal birth. And it didn't end up happening that way. And we just, especially after Carly's experience of a zero stars Mm C-section, we thought it was so unfair that just because birth didn't go the way you wanted it to, that you should then automatically forfeit your ability to care for yourself. It just, it wasn't right. So we -hmm. talk a lot, we try to make it 50% C-section related. And some people might think when they're sitting through it, like, okay, I don't really want to hear about trapped gas after a C-section. I'm going to have a vaginal birth. But we want that for you, but maybe you're not. And we want you to have heard it before. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's excellent. Excellent advice, actually. Um, And I, you're right. If you're doing the vaginal birth thing, and then all of a sudden you're into a C-section, this is a whole new world and you have to come out of it with, you know, (laughs) drugs on board with a brand new baby and an incision. And it's a lot and who better to teach you how to navigate this than nurses who actually work and care for you in the hospital. So I think it's really cool. I mean, you guys are experts in this area. This is literally what you do for your jobs. Um, so it's very cool.
2: Yeah.
1: We
0: like what we do. <laughs> so you're doing the fourth trimester foundation stuff and working and raising young kids and just doing it all. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. We've, we're shifting our priorities. Not like we, you know, our family was not our priority. That's not to say that at all, but we're trying to focus on what has worked for us and not on what hasn't um and try to put in all of our energy and where how we can grow that's why we're making our classes you know on the internet so it can stay there um, yeah. rather than trying to re-promote every single one because that was eating up a lot of our time um you'll find
1: us at this table after bedtime a lot
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot
0: isn't that a metaphor for motherhood though? Like you just kind of focus on the stuff that works and double down on that. And you just leave the spaghetti on the floor that got thrown there, you know, and yeah, yeah just shut under, <laughs> it was a good lesson. And we're just not going to deal with that
2: anymore. We'll Wait till it's dry and then vacuum it up. <laughs> what a good tip. If you didn't take anything else from this episode, we're till it dry. rice, yes, rice.
0: Ooh, okay. I might have to try that. I have things. a dog, so I don't usually have to clean up a lot of stuff, but <laughs>
2: dog okay not for dog that's an expensive tip though if you're gonna go that way
1: vacuum maybe is less expensive than a dog i agree (laughs) yeah if you're having kids and you want
0: dogs and stuff just read if we had known we were gonna join the military and like having kids when we we knew we were gonna have kids but yeah (laughs) our dog was pre-kids and it's yeah it's a thing (laughs) (laughs) we'll do (laughs) another one (laughs) (laughs) so just kind of as we're wrapping up here i would really love to know The, the community part of your offerings, how important do you think it is to have a community to help you through this like fourth, fifth trimester time?
1: Essential.
2: yeah, hundred percent. We'd love to say it's not because it's something that might be harder, harder to come by, but it really is because with hormones, postpartum can really get your mind having some intense thoughts of things that worrying about things that don't really matter and vice versa um and we're not blaming this all on hormones it's easy to blame hormones and that's not (laughs) what we're doing um but that's just a small piece of it um but just having feeling like you can connect with another adult in a way after you know speaking to a baby all day and you know narrating your day to someone who's just looking at you like and wants to just, you know, eat your arm because it looks good for their growing teeth. <laughs> um, to talk to someone, to feel human, to not, um, just to kind of keep you in check too. Because sometimes it's really hard to hear. You can't really have that clarity when it's only in your head. Some people mm-hmm. have to tell you like, I don't know if that's a great idea. Maybe we could try this or this is what worked for us. Yeah. Um So,
1: or to say, Hey, uh, have you showered this week? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just to put those little thoughts in your head. Yeah.
0: just kind of bringing the focus back to like, you're a person too. Like, I know you're caring for these littles, but right. You're still, we care about you. You know what I mean? I've found that a lot in, in the program I've created as well, specifically for working moms. Like sometimes, you know, some of the time you don't need a community, like you're doing fine. You're like, rocking your life. And then when you need it though, you like really need it and you really need to know yeah. where can I go that there's like no judgment, someone knows what they're talking about and can help me. I don't want a million moms on the internet's advice. I just want yeah. like a place yeah. I can go, text thread with friends. If you have friends, like I've never really had what you guys have like immediate friends close to me doing what I'm doing. And uh, we're in the military too and um I'm the oldest child of my family. So it's just kind of, I've often been on my own, at least like time wise. So finding a community, I think, is really important of people that you trust, people that are doing exactly what you're doing can be really, can be really huge in creating a positive experience
1: overall. We're very zero tolerance for the mom shaming. Yeah. You can, you can say in a comment what you did, but unless somebody asked for your advice on what you should do, you're not giving it. And we're very, we're very strict about that. There's, there is no, no vitriolic word <laughs> exchanges on that group or, or you're gone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think some advice I got before I was a mom, when I was pregnant, is like, I want to have mom friends. I don't really have friends who have kids. And I had one, but she didn't live close to me. Um, so I like, I want to just go on stroller walks with them with moms, but I don't know how, like, how do you make mom friends? So it was going out of my comfort zone a lot to literally like seeing, you know, maybe this was not the greatest advice, but like seeing someone who's pregnant and being like, hey, how's it going? You're just talking to someone, putting yourself out there and introducing yourself to someone. Um with a little baby um, or something just is huge to just feel like you can connect with another person too. It doesn't always have to be a community that you, you know, pay a membership to be into or anything like that. It just going out of your comfort zone can go a long way as well.
1: Find a breastfeeding support group, find Leche, um, yeah. yeah, find like a tummy time group or like a music together group or something and just just opportunities to sit in a circle and be with other parents.
0: Yeah. I feel like, I think we're starting to get back into those more and more the last two years, they kind of like disappeared with COVID. Um, but I feel like they're starting to, to come back, which is cool, you know, but a lot of these online communities like yours, like mine started because we had nothing else. Like if you wanted to connect with someone, it had to be on zoom, which kind of sucks, but also it's something, you know? Sure. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I would love to ask you both just last question here. What advice do you have for a new mother? And if you don't mind, like specifically a working mother, you know, they've got a lot stacked against them. (laughs) They've got a lot going on. You have to navigate your maternity leave, your, your short maternity leave differently than someone who's not going back to work. And there can be a lot of pressure. You're just moving from one thing to another, (laughs) you know, really quickly. Um, What kind of advice do you have for, for moms in this, in this time Space.
2: You're up. <laughs> I would say you can do it all, but you shouldn't do it all. Like, you can, you could probably do all of those things, but you wouldn't sleep, but you don't have to do them all. Like, you can get takeout way more often than you feel like is healthy. Um, ask people for help. All those people that were like, let me know if you need anything when your baby was this cute, snuggly little thing. Um, call them up, text them, say I, I don't know, say whatever you want to say, but ask those people for help. Um your house can doesn't have to be cleaned as often as it needs to. Um just cut the things out that don't immediately uh, you know affect you and your baby and your mental health and your well-being in that way. Um let it go. That was my I, big one. I love
1: it. I would say um Protect, protect what you want out of your feeding journey, you know, especially like pumping at work, know what your rights are, protect those breaks because nothing that's happening at work is more important than you feeding your baby. If that's the way that you are dead set on feeding your baby and it's, you, you can be completely unapologetic about that and you can make a stink about that. And you can you can absolutely advocate for making sure you get what you need and setting up whatever setup you need. And just, just being unapologetic for it, I think, is what really helped me um, make sure that I was having the journey that I wanted, especially knowing going into healthcare specifically, the cards are stacked against me to maintain this supply.
0: I think that's really poignant coming from from a nurse. Right. And I think anyone that works with other people, whether you're a nurse or a teacher, or you have clients of some kind that directly rely on you, it can be really hard. These are service-based jobs. And if you step away, someone has to take over and there's just so much guilt that can come with that. And it's really easy to sacrifice yourself once again, which you always do in these professions. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but you're, you're taking away this other thing. Mom life is hard. You're juggling a lot of different responsibilities. So I think, you know, having a nurse and gosh, Carly, you were on a cardiac floor. Like that is, Mm -hmm. that is like real stuff. You know
2: what I mean? I was pumping in other, like the, like, uh, Uh, what was like a curtain between the like literally on the other side, because there was nowhere else to go to comp that was close by that I could like come back if they really needed something. And in the middle of the night, yeah, that was, it was really hard, but people do it. Plenty of people do it. Like I only did that for a month and a half before I switched. Plenty of people have very long breastfeeding journeys and working in critical care settings of every variety. Um, But it's, I think they use that protecting their space and, you know, and it, a village
1: and a village yeah. of supportive nurse coworkers who are not going to let you miss your pump break.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But sometimes you have to ask for what you need. I, you kind I'm of sure. both touched on that. Like
1: you need stuff, get it right. Like don't I know. do this on your own. I would say I would, it's a statement. I would say to the charge nurse, I am going to pump mm. in 15 15- Not can I pump in 15 minutes? And it just changes the whole conversation. Okay. Okay. okay, Great. Okay. Yeah. 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 You just got to kind of make
0: it happen for yourself. So I just, I'm so impressed with, with both of your stories and where it's brought you and what you're doing to help other moms in this space. I think it is so needed and so cool. And so please keep doing it. I think we absolutely need more people like you in this world. Thank
1: you. Keep doing it. Don't worry. (laughs) I know it's not
0: easy juggling work and a side hustle and little kids. I, I 100% relate to what (laughs) you guys are doing. We are all up after our kids are in bed recording this podcast for you today. So we know it's a lot. So thanks again so much for, for being with us today and taking the time to do that. You can of course find, um, all the ways to connect with Carly and Megan down in the show notes. There'll be links of everything we talked about today. They mentioned some cool products that they liked um, links to their classes and all of that will be down in the show notes. You can also connect with me. If you want to know more about how I support working moms going back to work and managing their pumping experience, we just, all three of us would love to hear from you. So don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks again for being here with us today, Carly and Megan, and we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. Thank
2: you.